streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Everybody, welcome. You beautiful, you glorious, you undefeated Seminoles 12-0. and 0. This is an episode special edition of On the Bench presented by Knowles 24-7. This is Knoll Thy Enemy. My name's Trey Rowland. But who gives a rat's ass what I think? Because we're here for Dane, the man. Great Dane Draper. The guy who will get you ready for that ACC championship game on Saturday night against Louisville Cardinals. Dane, how you doing, man? You amped? I am, and hey, we're we're gonna see a really good game. I feel like, and it's it's gonna be a lot of fun. Haven't been to the AC Championship, Charlotte, and what since 2014 or something. Like this is pretty exciting stuff. Got to. It, uh, it is exciting stuff. Yeah, I, it, I think it, you're it, absolutely right, man. And, and FSU yeah. has got a worthy opponent. I think this is gonna be a very interesting game for everything that's happening on the field, everything that's happening before the field, and just everything that's on the line. Florida State is on the tip of every misinformed, unfully evolved troglodyte that seems to describe every national reporter talking about the Florida State program. I am sorry you guys have to hear it on networks like ESPN. The commentary is bad, and it's all centered around Florida State. Wouldn't it just be nice to stick it right in Jeff Brom's craw? And then uh, how about that, Papa Herb Street? I can't wait. So there's a lot of stuff on the line, but Florida state does not have an easy task on Saturday night, particularly with the, the type of shape that they're coming in, losing their leader, Jordan Travis in the North Alabama game. Just a lot of, a lot of, a lot of late season upheaval and they're facing a good team. Like I said, Louisville 10 and two, they went seven and one in conference play. Their only two losses were against Let's see. Pittsburgh is where they lost 38 to 21 in a very surprising, but I believe that was like a three or four turnover game. And then they just lost last week to their rival Kentucky at home, 38, 31, another high turnover game that I think we'll talk about it. The Cardinals are a very, very well coached team, both on offense and defense, very balanced, effective scheme, well coached, very, very much. So particularly when you think that it's Jeff Brom's first year at this school, um, but if you do get them, ter- sometimes their turnovers can kind of get in the way, but we'll talk about that. They have wins this year. Not a, pret- not a meat grinder of a schedule. Def- definitely a lot different than the stuff that Florida state faced. Their wins are against Georgia tech, Murray state, Indiana, Boston college, NC state, that win against Notre Dame that really kind of put them on the national landscape. And then we found out that uh, Notre Dame kind of stinks. Uh, they beat Duke, Virginia Tech, Virginia, and Miami in a 38 to 31 contest. As far as like the advanced metrics, SP Plus, they have Louisville as the 23rd best team in the country with the offense. And I talked, I spoke about balance earlier. The 32nd ranked offense in the country and the 31st ranked defense in the country, 72nd on special teams. If you just look at SP Plus, which is that metric of those kind of repeatable football characteristics, success rate, explosiveness, opponent adjusted, garbage time thrown out, this would actually be the third toughest team that Florida State would face this year. SP Plus has LSU at 10 and Miami at 22. Like I said, Louisville at 23, and then Clemson's right behind them at 24. So as far as like the caliber of opponent, it's like a Miami at full strength or like a Clemson. So that's the type of test you're going into with uh, not Jordan Travis. So not great. Florida State in those same metrics overall, which of course weighs the Jordan Travis time, 
heavily into these ratings. Uh, they're the overall sixth best team in the country, 10th best offense, ninth best defense, sixth best special teams, which I think you're selling Mastromano and Fitzsimmons short, if you ask me. Dane, what are your, what are your initial thoughts on Louisville as a team before we kind of get into the specific offense and defensive stuff? Yeah, I mean, I think they're just a, a pretty well-rounded team in general. I mean, Jeff Brom's a really great offensive coach. That's, I'm sure, been said a million times, but he's got a couple really talented guys in this offense, like uh, Jamari Thrash and Jamar Jordan, uh, to get the ball to. And, and Plummer's a, a quarterback who has been with – I mean, he's a transfer from Cal, but he's this is his fourth year with Brom because he had three years at Purdue with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's kind of like a – you know, game manager system type quarterback that does their stuff pretty well. He's not a guy who's um, immune to mistakes, but he runs the offense pretty well. And then defensively, they've been really stout, which I think has been generally a pretty big surprise. You know, they have some some decent talent up front and a lot of depth, honestly, which has really helped them. And then in the back end, they have some a few talented guys that they, you know, not a ton of depth in the back end, but, but some especially talented guys that we'll talk about. And it's not so much like Jack Plummer's inaccuracies. If you watch Kevin Little's uh, video preview, that opponent-focused one that he just put on the X's and Knowles YouTube, which is on the Knowles247.com page, I highly recommend you listen to this, you watch that, and you read Chris Nee's uh, Louisville 247. That's where I'm going to get a lot of my information from. It seemed to be miscommunication issues on those highly those high turnover games where they were clustered, which led to their two losses. Um, a couple things that Chris pointed out that may worry me that just kind of contrasts with how Florida State plays. They start fast in the first quarter. And on, even on their first possession on both offense and defense, they have scored on their first possession nine times out of the 12 games, 97 points in the opening quarter this season. They also have a streak of holding opponents scoreless on their first possession in 16 games, which is a lot different Florida State when they come out with that script. Normally, we'll see what happens here. They tend to score on that first drive. The rest of that first half can be a little rocky on both sides of the ball. So when you're dealing with not your ideal starting quarterback, the lull that you kind of fall into cannot happen this game. I do not know that you have the guy under center with the health and the talent surrounding him, especially with how stout that Louisville defense is to dig yourself out of a big hole. Now you did do it last week against my point. You're down 12 points on the road, not in a neutral site. They're going to be like this week, but I, I just think you're, you're playing, you're playing on a razor's edge. You can't do it again. Another one, that run defense that you talked about, Dame, they, they are about 96.8 rushing yards per game. That ranks 11th in the nation. When you're dealing with some inexperienced starting quarterbacks, Oh, you saw what happened when Florida State couldn't get the run game going against Florida, and then you saw what happened when Benson started breaking them off. There was a little bit of a difference in the point production. Let's talk about Jack Plummer. Six foot five, two hundred and fifteen pounds, twenty-one touchdowns, which is third in the ACC. Eleven interceptions, completion percentage of around sixty-six percent. What do you think about his game? Yeah, I mean, again, kind of a. I mean, game manager feels like the most appropriate term, but he's also a guy who can who can flash at times, and he's a guy who you referenced earlier has definitely kind of cost them. I mean, he's not not prone to turnovers. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a veteran, like I mentioned, but also isn't 
very good against the blitz. I noted that. I mean, he's 90th in the uh, in the country in passer rating when he's blitzed. So that's something that maybe you know we could see FSU do. Absolutely. But, um, he's he's protected by a really good offensive line. I think a really good offensive line um, that has helped him out. But it's I think that offense is kind of more about getting the ball out quick, throwing a lot of a lot of short yardage type stuff, and and running the ball well. And he's not really the center of that. I feel like it's more of a, it's, it's more just, he's like a conductor, I guess, uh, to these weapons. And, and he does a pretty good job of it. I think so too. And I think it, 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 even though they don't have like the, the super dynamic game changing guy behind center, they are a highly effective offense. They're 19th nationally in yards per play, averaging 6.6 yards per play, which is pretty hefty. Um, 33rd nationally in rushing offense are averaging around like 184 yards a game. They're pretty balanced. They run a, a heavy zone running scheme with a lot of jet action off of it, which is you saw a lot of that last week against Florida. However, they tend to do more like duo, like blocking schemes. Louisville is going to play eye discipline games with your linebacker. If you guys remember on that, on that, uh, I think it was the first quarter touchdown after the bull crap, uh, Akeem Dent, uh, roughing the passer, which is still a week later, the worst one I've ever seen that very open, easy, wide touchdown that they got. That was due to a lot of that post snap with the jet motions and eye candy, having the linebackers flow one way and have the running back kind of go against to go to the opposite way of that jet action. You're going to see that a lot. They play games with the jet action. They'll have him come across and block on split zone. Sometimes they'll have him leak out into the flat for an easy completion. They're going to have you stretched horizontally across and Jack Plummer is going to get it to those dangerous wideouts that we'll talk about here in a second. I want to talk about the running backs first because they have been a, <laughs> they've been tough to deal with, man. And at the beginning of the year, it was that shiftier, speedier running back in Jawar Jordan. And then after that, man, uh, his compatriot, a little bit bigger and beefier, Isaac Garendo, six foot one, 225 pounds, more of the, the basher and the bruiser. What do you think about these two guys, man? This is, as far as like a one two kind of thunder and lightning punch, they're, they're up there as far as tops of the conference. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. And uh, yeah, I think they do work pretty well in a tandem. But um, I think Jawar Jordan's kind of definitely. He's definitely the more, I think, special running back there. I think he's – I think Rendo – how would you pronounce it? I yeah. put Gerendo. a little stank on it. Gerendo. I think like, it's kind of like it starts with a little like Eddie Guerrero, but he's a Gerendo. Very good. Um, Thank you. Uh, yeah, I think I think Jordan's kind of intended to be the more lead – to be the lead back in that offense, and he's, he's dealt with some injuries in the back half of the year, definitely in the last, like, month mm. or so. Um kind of a, like a lingering knee injury that's sort of steadily improved, but that's, there's been a drop off in production for him and that's kind of directly correlated with that. And, uh, and I think he'll probably be, I've been told he, he's kind of expected to be the healthiest he's been. Um, that's against FSU. <laughs> no, it's not ideal at all. Because he, he really is a very good running back. He's one of the best running backs in the conference. He's really explosive. He's only 5'10", 185 pounds, but he, he runs really hard. Uh, he's slippery really fast. Like, yeah, that's a guy who can pop an explosive on you pretty quick. And on the year, he's been really good down to down. I mean, they've been really good down to down uh, as a running team in general. But I, I think he's definitely been a big part of that, as well as the offensive line, as well as the other running back, because he's also averaging over six yards a carry. They both are. And uh, 
yeah, that's pretty good. But uh, if, if Jordan, if Jordan's going to be the healthiest he's been in a month or so, then that, you know, he's definitely a guy to circle as someone who can uh, change the game a bit. I feel like. I think so too. He's got over a thousand, even with those injuries, over a thousand yards on the season, second in the ACC with a thousand seventy six rushing yards, about ninety per game. Like you said, six point four yards per carry. Garendo is just around six. It's going to be tough. How is, how is Adam Fuller going to try to defend this? Now we talked about Jack Plummer's kind of maybe the weak spot with the turnovers could be him against the blitz. Those are really good stats that you pulled up, Dane. Maybe you try to like speed his clock up like Kev talked about in his video and force some of those off-timing, off-platform throws. Uh, but you got to be careful when you blitz too much, man, because if they run to the opposite side or they run through the blitz, then you're talking about you're, you're talking about potentially like 50 and 60-yard touchdowns if, if Juwar is feeling healthy. They're, they're going to put you in a bind on how to defend them. Jeff Brom, you guys can't see it, but I'm wearing an Iowa Hawkeyes shirt uh, on the – on the podcast right now, I can tell you from living up here, Purdue was the bane of Iowa's existence. Iowa is consistently one of the best defensive teams in the country year after year. And Purdue routinely smacked them around with a lesser talented team than the Iowa Hawkeyes. And it's all due to Jeff Brom's scheme, man. So that is going to be a very, very interesting pencil matchup between him and uh, the Broyles Award snub, in my opinion, Adam Fuller. Should have at least been a finalist, if not won the award. Talk about the Louisville receivers, Dane. What do you think of them, and who should we watch out for? Yeah, so in a Jeff Brom offense, typically you kind of have one receiver who gets like a ton of targets. like Rondale Moore. Purdue. Sure. Yeah. Charlie Jones last year at Purdue was that guy. I think he led the country in targets. I think he had like 115 or something. It, it was kind of absurd. He's in the NFL now. He's doing all right, but he's, you know, a, a little slot receiver for them that was doing really well. Um, this year, uh, that is Jamari Thrash. He's the guy who is, or he, I mean, he's intended, I think, to be the guy that is that. And he, far and away leads them in targets and receptions and that sort of thing. But he's another guy who's dealt with injuries in the last month or so. Um, he had a hand injury and that's kind of kept him. Um, I mean, he hasn't been very productive at all. Uh, he's definitely been pretty inconsistent, especially in the last few weeks. Um, but he's also getting healthier and he's another guy who is probably going to be healthier in this game than he's been in Great. You know, a, a little while. And that's a guy, I mean, he transferred there this past year from, I think Georgia State, I was a huge fan of his in the portal. I mean, he's a guy with, like, plenty of length. He's, like, 6'1". I don't even have it in front of me, but I think he's, like, 6'1". He's got awesome feet. He's super smooth and fluid. Like, that's a dude who's going to, I think, be a good NFL player. And he's um, – Is he the son of an NFL player? Was his dad James Thrash? Do you know that? Remember the old uh, uh, the old Philadelphia Eagles wide receiver? Well, I'll Google that when you're saying sure. something smart later. I'll check that out. <laughs> But yeah, yeah I don't know. With, That's, with, yeah. Uh, Thrash has been the focal point of their offense. Uh, 56 receptions. He's averaging about five receptions per game. That's fourth in the entire conference. He's the focal point of that passing attack. With him being hurt, has there has there been like is there been a guy that stepped up in his absence, or is the passing game production just just kind of fallen off as Thrash it, has been unhealthy? It hasn't been bad. Um, I mean, they've maintained a, a really good statistical passing offense. They're 16th nationally in, in passing success rate. Um, I think they're generally a better passing team than running team, even though they are pretty balanced and they run the ball a little more than they pass too. So they 
they believe in that balance for sure. But um, but they do have some other weapons. I don't think they're quite as talented, but they have some some guys who are built similarly enough and are pretty athletic. Like Amari Huggins, Bruce has been there for a few years. Mm-hmm. He's kind of a smaller like slot build. He's he's pretty fast. He gets gets open. Uh, Kevin Coleman is a name you're probably. Probably rings a bell. Uh, from the, the old, recruit. yeah, he went to Jackson State, right? The right. guy that Florida State was recruited. He was there in the stands for that Notre Dame game, right? A couple mm-hmm. years ago. Probably, yeah. Yeah, he was a, a top target for Florida State. He was a high four-star guy, like a top 50 overall prospect. Um, but yeah, went to Jackson State with Travis Hunter there in 2022. and um, But he transferred to Louisville this past offseason, and he's made some plays for them. I mean, he's he's a really good athlete. You kind of have to be to be that sort of prospect. And then um, Chris Bell is another name I wrote down. I mean, he's kind of a like their bigger body guy on the mm-hmm. outside. He's second on the team in targets behind uh, behind Thrash, but he's six two two twenty five. Kind of a, a different build on the outside than that they uh, than than others that they're you know mainly featuring really. It's going to be interesting to see. Florida State normally comes out with that first score, the too high look to try to kill the explosives. I wonder if they're going to be able to do that with the firepower that Louisville has at running back. Do you sell out for the explosives? Do you, Adam Fuller, we have seen the aggression dial up since the second half of that Clemson game. Do you start off being aggressive, trying to force turnovers, get Jack Plummer flustered? while knowing that you may not have an offense that could win a shootout with this team. I am so interested to see the tactical and strategic decisions that go on when Florida State's defense is on the field. Let's flip the script. Let's talk about that Louisville defense. Like we said, has been impressive. You watch Kevin's video. They do a lot of one high looks so they can have an extra guy in the box. They are dedicated to stopping the run. And if there was ever going to be a time that they were going to really, really, really focus on stopping the run, it was going to be when Florida State does not have Jordan Travis. I expect that to be a focal point. Their defense seems pretty solid all over the place. Uh, Kev did point out a noted um, a noted weakness to crossing routes, and he said that that might he kind of surmised that might have been with a new scheme on defense. Their zone coverage they can have some co- communication issues. Uh, as Florida State fans remember from a couple years ago, when installing a new scheme, there will be some coverage busts. But overall, very well coached, very solid unit particularly the defensive line, man. What do they got there? Yeah, I think the main theme with them is depth. And I, they kind of remind me a lot of FSU in this way, um, how FSU kind of prides themselves on their depth and definitely having some good uh, upper-level talent. Like you have a Jared Verse, obviously, who's probably going to be a first-round pick. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, Pat Payton and, and whoever else. But uh, you have depth, though, uh, especially on the interior. And they're really a similar story. They have a number of guys that they rotate – um, a defensive end and on the interior and some guys that are notable, like potential NFL guys, probably like um, Jermaine Lole is one on the inside. He's had a lot of bad injury history transferred from Arizona state a couple years ago, but he's can be a good player. Um, they have a few guys, but I mean, the main guy on the defensive line that probably already familiar with honestly is Ashton Gelati. And that's the defensive end who's, uh, he's he's 11 sacks in the year, 43 pressures. He's an 87 PFF grade. He's like really wrecked offenses. Uh, been really, really disruptive on his own. Um, but I think it's also kind of credited to the uh, the depth uh, of that defensive line in general and how he's been able to stay fresh. And they've played good team defense and that sort of thing. Um, 
and got a lot of pressures with him and and the other guys. I mean, they're fourth in the country in, in pressure rate, and that's not just him. So they do a, a good job in general. 14 and a half tackles for loss for Mr. Gelati. Is that I'm going to say it French mm-hmm. for Ashton Giotta. For Ashton Giotta, 14 and a half tackles for loss, 11 sacks, three forced fumbles, too, man. So when he's coming at you, when he's coming at you on the blind side, he's swiping the ball down. He's looking to have turnovers, which with young quarterbacks, watch out. And then that, uh, that on that other side, Mason Riger, he's got five sacks himself, six tackles for loss. They're deep. They're talented. They're relentless, which is kind of honestly been kind of the been kind of the modus operandi for Louisville defensive lines as of late. I feel like they've been very pesky and very aggressive and annoying. And Mister Guillaume uh, is going to be leading the charge there. Now, I think I, I don't think you're going to be able to take advantage of that defensive line so much, particularly with kind of all the the shuffling and the sort of the inconsistencies that we've seen from the Florida state offensive line. I was actually and the guys on X's and Knowles were a lot, at least in the first quarter, I was a lot more disappointed with the perimeter blocking and the running backs blocking in space. That kind of splot the, the, uh, the slot blocking that, that they had some good angles for some crackbacks and things like that. And they just, they nuked Florida state had some potential explosive runs that were snuffed out against that Florida defense, which, Statistically, it's pretty bad at stopping the run, and this is a pretty good statistical unit at stopping the run. So you're gonna you're gonna have to show up, and you're gonna have to execute. What about the second level? What do you think of their linebackers? Who stands out? Um, is this is this a unit that we could take advantage of? I thought we would have taken advantage of Florida's a little bit more last week, but what, what do you think of the Louisville linebackers? Uh, I think I think they're definitely like the least special unit they have. Um... Your main two guys are Jalen Alderman and TJ Quinn. Neither of them, I, I think, are are special players by any means. I don't know a ton about either of them, to be honest with you. But um, the, the stats I, are I unimpressive. Know. They're red. Yeah. Uh, TJ, six foot one, two hundred thirty pounds, about six ish tackles per game, which he's he's nineteenth in the ACC. He leads his team. Uh, another redshirt sophomore, like you said, Jalen Alderman, fifty two tackles, one sack, five point five tackles for loss. So nothing too crazy there. TJ's got two and a half tackles for loss. So it's a lot different than like how Florida State's linebackers like Kalen Deloach, they really affect the game in many ways other than just making tackles. It does not seem like that Louisville linebacking core. They're there to mop up the play. They're there to stop the explosive run, but they're helped out greatly by the talent and the depth in front of them. Who knows? We talked about communication issues earlier. Maybe Florida State can kind of play some post-snap games with motion uh, RPO, things like that. And um, hopefully we can get them out of position when we do have the time to throw or our offensive line opens up a hole to run the Louisville secondary. Talk to me about their cornerbacks. Talk to me about their safeties, Dane. Yeah, so, I mean, keep mentioning that they're a really good defense, and they definitely are. And I think the main contributors to that, contributing factors to that is how – well, they get to the quarterback, how much pressure they really put on the quarterback and that, you know, depth of the defensive line and then how talented they are in the back end um, where they don't really have much depth, but they have like like four guys or five guys in particular who are actually really good, and especially the two outside cornerbacks. cornerbacks um, Quincy Riley being probably the best player on their team. He's like maybe the best corner in the ACC, one of the better corners in the, in the, um, in the entire country. He's – really really good like definitely an nfl guy um teams haven't really challenged him much 
he's kind of got it all. Uh, I talked to, I talked to, to Jody at uh, Cardinal, uh, Cardinal Authority, I think it is, um, the Louisville 24 7 site. And he was saying that he thinks like this guy's probably the best, uh, definitely like the best corner they've had since Jair Alexander, oh. which I think is a, a pretty big deal. So he's something for sure. And I don't think like Keon, Keon Coleman hasn't been challenged really. I feel like this year as uh, I don't think anyone's like really shut him down to where you can make a real argument about that. It hasn't really been really a talking point except for like weird Miami fans on Twitter trying to make some point, you know, as he catches the game winning touchdown to me, the only thing that tampered Keon really has been injuries. And then I Mm -hmm. thought there was a really good matchup with him and Wiggins from Clemson. I thought that that was actually, that's about as close as I can think. Um, But I think that, Keon has hampered Keon through a lot of things that are out of his control. I I would like to see this could this could be tough when you've got the young quarterbacks. It does it does seem like Johnny Wilson is getting more more targets and receptions is more the focal point, and that could be just because. And if you saw in that film review, even if Keon's not making catches, he is drawing so much attention and focus from the opposing secondary if Louisville is able to put one guy on Keon and feel fairly confident about it that actually does present a problem for the Florida State offense for me because even if Keon hasn't been making catches he's obviously affected the game in special teams but he has affected them by drawing all of that attention kind of that Steph Curry effect if Louisville is able to kind of match him up one-on-one and not die by Keon Coleman, that's going to pose a lot of problems for like Ja'Kai Douglas and Johnny Wilson and the, and the rest. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely agree. Um, uh, but you do have all those names and it is, you know, that's a big deal. Um, but yeah, so Quincy Riley's really good. And, Oh, I was going to mention. So yeah, you bring up uh, Wiggins giving Keon such a problem. I mean, Wiggins has been mocked as like potentially the cornerback one in this, in this current draft. Class. Right. He's supremely talented. The kid is great. So no yeah. shame in that. Yeah. So if, you know, if this guy has to be that kind of talent to, uh, to, to hinder Keon's ability, you know, that much, like that's, uh, I might take that bet. I don't know, but Quincy Riley's really good. And you do have the other weapons like Johnny Wilson and, and so on. But on the other side, maybe guarding Johnny Wilson, you know, Whatever that is, is Jarvis Brownlee. Oh, so familiar. And is Johnny familiar? Absolutely. Mm. Now, look, that is going to color Florida State fans' opinion of Jarvis, his time here, Jacksonville State. Um, And it's going to what happened last year when Johnny Wilson was probably changed to Jarvis Brownlee's father on many a Wikipedia page. How's he been this year? Is it just is it just for whatever reason when whenever he's near the color garnet, bad things happen? Like has he had a pretty solid season opposite Mr. Riley? He really has. He's actually been okay. really, really good. He's been one of the probably one of the better cornerbacks in the ACC, honestly. Um I mean he's a seventy eight point three PFF grade for whatever that's worth. I mean that's a that's a very good PFF grade. But yeah, absolutely. He's definitely considered a, a, a really strong corner in him and Riley as like a tandem have been very effective for sure. Um, and then also kind of in there because Brownlee's he's been kind of banged up uh, the last few games. I think he should be, I mean, I, there's an expectation that he's going to be good to go in this one. Uh, he, he played a little bit against Kentucky and toward the back end of that game. Um, but in his absence, who has also got a lot of snaps on his own, but that's storm duck. 
And Storm Duck was a. Oh, a good what player. did you just say that again? Who? Storm Duck. The Storm Duck. It sounds like an exotic Pokemon. I like that. The Storm Duck. <laughs> How's awesome he been, man. dude? Yeah, he's a pretty good player, too. He transferred in from UNC where he was, I think, as a freshman, he was like a, you know, all ACC team kind of guy. Um, and then ended up transferring out. I mean, that secondary UNC was like really horribly bad. So I can't blame him there. But he's there now and he's doing pretty well. And then at the top, uh, at safety, you have some guys too aren't like the special talents that I feel like uh, like Riley and, and maybe even Brownlee. Brownlee's not like a special talent, but he could be an NFL guy. And we, mm-hmm. we said that when he was here. Um, but a top, like a Devin Neal is a solid player. He's graded out pretty well. He was, I think, third team all ACC. Um, Cameron Kelly, I think, is another in, uh, UNC transfer at safety. So you have some guys in the back end for sure, and they play well as a unit. I think generally this defense, if there's one weakness, they do – give up a decent amount of explosives, I want to say. I mean, they're 70th in the country in, in explosive play rate allowed, and it's pretty even offense – or a pretty even uh, pass defense and run defense in that stat. But but they are um, they do a good job in the back end, and that's, that's probably where they're most talented. It, like you said, when you play that aggressive style, when you don't have that extra safety back, if you don't get the running back down within that like five yards of the line of scrimmage, and when you got a guy that can bust tackles like Trey Benson has shown the ability to, especially as the game's gone on, you do leave yourself open for explosive. It's just you got to challenge an offense led by a young quarterback to be able to execute when they need to on those higher degree of difficulty plays. Like I said, Louisville is going to make you earn all of your points. Um, unless they give you some good field position on with the turnovers, man. And it's just, it's tough because that's a, the, a big reason why they've lost both of their games and turnovers have such a, they're so variable. There's such like a luck component to them. It's almost like you can't count on them. So I, Oh, okay, let's move on to prediction time. This I will tell you, this is the one that I feel the worst about the entire year. This is the game that gives me the most trepidation and it's just it's just Florida State at quarterback, man. This is one there's been many a game I think the defense has really really risen their level. I think that they have been the best unit on this team for a while now. Even when Jordan Travis was healthy, I've been more impressed with the defense and They've just they've just played really well, great adjustments. But this is one of those ones where you know you're going to have to score points. So they will need an absolute just Herculean effort. Atlas, they're going to have to put the whole world on their back to stop this Louisville offense from scoring more points than the Florida State one can. But my God, my bald Beautiful man, Adam Fuller. I think he is going to rise to the occasion. There will be turnovers. There will be pressure. Plummer will be flustered, just like I was trying to say that word. There will be chaos. Louisville will get some of theirs. They will. But it won't be enough. Because Florida State, led by a young quarterback with great hair, will win this game. They will not go quietly into the night. They will not vanish without a fight. They're going to live on. They're going to survive. On a Saturday night, 
cold and wet in Charlotte will be Mike Norvell and Florida State's Independence Day. They will win. They will get their first ACC championship since 2014. They will defeat Jeff Brom and his dastardly birds. 23-21. And then the CFP fun talks. <laughs> Very good. That fired me up, Trey. Um, good. I, I feel like I needed to fire myself up a little bit. I am so <laughs> nervous about this game, dude. I want it so bad. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, you're mentioning being the most like unsure or the unsettled about this game than anything this year, any other game this year. And I definitely get that because of the quarterback situation. It's You can't, you know, it's hard to really be confident in anything regarding the offense. And that's kind of been, I mean, that's a staple of Mike Norvell is having a good offense, I feel like. And that's not something you can really wholeheartedly trust right now. But um, I think FSU's a more talented roster. And I think you're going to walk in with a good game plan like like Mike Norvell tends to have, and Alex Atkin tends to have, uh, against a coach that also, you know, puts together a really good game plan and will probably figure out how to score some points too. But your defense is playing so well right now. I mean, the best thing Louisville does on offense is, is throw the ball well down to down with that success rate. And FSU has the number one pass defense success rate in the entire country right now. Uh, and it's a uh, number has only gone up over the back half of the year. Um, yeah, it's, you know, it's not a great matchup, I want to say, especially because of the quarterback situation and kind of where they are talented and whatnot. But, hey, you're you're a pretty good team. You're doing a lot of things well. And you're really good at winning football games. So <laughs> I think MSU's probably going to win this one too. And I'm going to go, I'm going to go 24 to 20. I like it. Culture wins games. Dane and I, not only is Florida State putting their very, very important undefeated streak on the line, Dane and I are both putting our own undefeated game prediction streak on the line. We're both 12-0 and this season, too, guys, and we want to get to 13. <sighs> Can't wait, man. Big, 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 big week. We will be there for you, Knowles247.com. I don't know if unless your eyes have been just stapled shut. It's a massive week in the transfer portal for just the entire world of college football. And Knowles247.com is going to keep you abreast of transfer portal, regular high school recruiting, the game itself, instant reactions to the game, post-game analyses, because there will be more than one. That is the plural of analysis. There will be player interviews, coach interviews, and just general jovial, lighthearted fan discussion on the Knowles 24-7 message board. If you're not on it, figure it out and get on it. Guys, we love you. Thank you for listening. If you're making it to Charlotte, drive safe. Have some beers. You'll feel good about it. Keep chopping. Love you guys. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.